Welcome to Machine Learning. So I'm working on setting up grids now using uh, a probability. And so we go back to Bayesian's theory, which is uh, probability of A given B is equal to the probability of B given A times the probability of uh, A divided by the probability of B. And what that theory say, states is it's looking at the likelihood. So you take the probability of B given A, um, or in this case we could we could replace all of it in terms of parameter given data. And they call those uh, posterior and prior. So I can use a, a uniform distribution to calculate prior, and then I can use a probability dense function to calculate my posterior. Well, what that gives you then is a probability based on um, an odd. So like if you, for example, if I, if I threw 100 head or 100 tosses and I got 75 heads, what would be the probability of that given the data. So um, I then can calculate my probability and my likelihood, and then I can put that into a heat map to look at the, that. And it looks like almost like it's following pretty closely to the identity uh, uh, on the heat map with some variation of that. Off that, then you put it into your KD dense plot and um, it kind of reveals to you how that distribution is occurring. So in calculating this, then you can put it into a line plot and look at where um, as the probability increases, as a, for example, like efficiency. In the case they were they were looking at is if you knew what your efficacy was in the number of patients, let's say you took a, a population of patients and then you knew what the efficacy is in general, you could use a rate, then you could build your grid, and then you could ask uh, questions about the probability of, let's say, nine out of 10 patients being cured. So the grid is really quite useful in the sense that you can use it to look up what the probability would be based on uh, certain certain known rates, and and look at what the the odds of different combinations could be in that matrix. So, for example, what would be the odds of or probability of that distribution of nine? people being cured out of the 10. Well, it's going to be a very low probability. Well, 
even though, you know, you might say 8%. So at least it's not zero. Um, so that, you know, there's an 8% chance of, of 9 out of 10 people being cured. Well, and, you know, and that's the kind of the power of Bayesian is that you don't need large data sets to draw a probability uh, given the data, or you have your parameter given the data, probability of the parameter given the data. So I was kind of intrigued by that as I, I was working through those setting up the grid, you know, you, uh, just basically the grid is, is uh, uh, on one 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 axis you have like the number of heads. So and then the other axis you would have the uh, efficiency rate or the rate that you could expect. So maybe like the efficiency rate is really small, like 0 0.01. But I guess if you had a hundred um, 100 tosses or a coin flips, and then you said, well, okay, my efficiency is going to be 1 divided by 100 or 0 0.01. And, and then what would be what would be the uh, odds of getting 75 out of 100? Or what would be the probability of getting 75 out of 100 tosses being hit? And so the binomial distribution is really quite interesting because, you know, you here you can build, kind of almost like simulate and then ask a question about the distribution. And just knowing probability of parameters, the probability of the parameters, yeah, it could give you the probability that 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 might occur. Well, now the question is: is how useful is Bayesian? You know, let's say that these numbers are 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 very realistic in the prediction of outcomes. Well, then that would mean that your comfort levels should increase significantly by using Bayesian logic to determine outcomes. So the guesswork of an outcome, uh, given the study of the data, should be very pr predictable. That the Bayesian logic should create fairly predictable outcomes with limited amounts of data. So as you go down the probability tree and you're looking at uh, two things compared together and then calculating an outcome and if it passes a, a certain threshold then you say it's a success and then you can compare that thing the result um, with another set of data set and calculate probable outcomes so again, you could walk uh, walk the tree using probabilities, using the Bayesian uh, 
probability of parameter given data. Like we were talking about yesterday about the outcome on the Super Bowl. Well, and you know, these theories are really good. They're powerful because they give you tools to think about things. You know, I, 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 as I think it was, we were moving more and more to AI and the world around us um, is being controlled by machines from self-driving cars to automation and plant factories. I'm left to ponder about the world of probability. And, you know, for example, let's say we look at some historical information, we build some probability tables of probability versus parameters versus data, given data, and then we say, well, you know, there's a 0 0.08 probability of a defect in this batch. Well, can a 0.08 defect be tolerated? Um, maybe it will cause a cascade failure during final testing. You know, let's say we're producing a wafer and we have, a, you know, a 0 0.08. Maybe it's got to be a 0 0.000008, like one in a, a billion chance of a defect on that wafer. And so near perfect, a near perfect run. Let's say, for example, like um, in the case maybe in the manufacturing, that some chemicals get splashed accidentally on the wafer. That was the, the robots moving the wafer from one point to another and setting it down, it sets it down too fast and some of the particles get into the air on the chemical and it touches the wafer. And we have now this sudden spike in the number of areas on the wafer that are defective. And then we discover that, the, that what caused the process was the robot. And we, we, ch we changed the robot. And now we go back to operation. And now our defect ratios drop uh, back into that very low percentage. But yet now we have this historical data that suggests that there's possibility of defect in the data given a certain parameters. Um, would that be considered a flaw in the Bayesian theorem is that historical data can skew future data. So maybe in the future data, if we look from a certain point in time, we have like one in a billion defects, really low, near perfect. But during that certain period of the process change, there was a high percentage of defect. How do you account for that noise in the system? I mean, it really did happen. So it's not like the data is falsified but yet it skews the future. Um, and I'd be interested to find out how it, it, the Bayesian network 
deals with that level of uncertainty. But so far, from what I can see, it does really well with the uncertainty of a small data set. And it can calculate probabilities. Uh, even when, you know, the, the part of the data camp had you look at where the data set is empty and how it tries to calculate a probability outcome, probable outcome. And then it looks at the probability of one tail in the set. And then it looks at 100, 10, 100, and then all. And you can see an improvement when it's looking at a large data set versus a small data set. It's getting some conclusions correct, but the confidence isn't as high. So the larger your data set, the higher the confidence. And so perhaps the Bayesian network, in this case where we're dealing with the, this data set that has had had a, a defect at one time due to a process, as we continue to accumulate more data in the data lake, the confidence that there will be less defect is realized in the distribution and the confidence levels on the Bayesian network go up. Well, that's about all I could say about the world of probability, but I would say that the world of probability should make our world more comfortable as we start to depend on the machine to make predictions for us based on the information that it's gathering about things that we're interested in. Like, wouldn't it be interesting to know if you were given a certain condition, a road condition, what the probability of accident would be? And when I was looking at that earlier, um, I was tr trying to apply uh, some of the Kaggle data and figure out, you know, road conditions and then severity of the accident and try to make a prediction of the probability of certain road conditions leading to certain severe accidents. And there wasn't a real strong probability linkage, but uh, perhaps there wasn't enough data. Again, because the Bayesian network does better with more data as it, and it increases the confidence level. So as you, I, I mean, I really am thinking that the Bayesian network fits really well, the model for our brain, because we don't know everything in the world. We're making guesses about how the world is working. And we base how we, our behavior on our feeling of confidence. Now, what if that feeling of confidence could be mathematical? Math is another form of language of communication. And then in our mind, when we look at the probabilities, we 
may decide today would be a good day to stay home and work from home because of road conditions, probability of severe accident. Uh, maybe there's a certain intersection that has more frequent accidents than other intersections. High speed, uh, sudden light change, curvature of the road, sun in your eyes, etc. And I've talked a long time ago about systems that had tried to learn where accidents occur and under what conditions. But then as you, you wonder about the city planners then, if there's this much data showing the uh, efficiency or efficacy of getting a person from point A to point B safely and they're designing the road in such a way that it is not very safe, maybe the way they do the curve in the road, uh, etc. planning designs around large number of people moving over certain distances, they come to realize that, you know, it would cost more money to make it safer, so they choose the economic route, which necessar doesn't necessarily translate into the safe route. So um, the machine will learn then from the data, and maybe from even a small set of data, start building probabilities or confidences of certain routes to take. And maybe during uh, during certain conditions, the machine would warn again and give you uh, alternative routes to take that are safer. Now maybe that safety will come at a cost, like longer commute times, more more gas consumed, etc. And you may choose to take higher risk because you haven't had an accident riding through that intersection, even though there's been, you know, frequent there's a, a numerical quantity of accidents in a certain period of time that's more frequent than other areas, increasing the likelihood that you could be in an accident. So the probability grid and the efficacy ratings could affect those probabilities. And, and you might be caught in a peak period where the conditions are just right. We look, you know, you look at your table, search through the table, find that peak period of the combination, and you're in that peak period in the combination, and an accident occurs. Well, it was because, could have been because the, of the probability being really high that that was going to occur. So, um, again, we, you can ignore the world of AI, but at what cost? You know, 
And eventually, as more things are being trusted in AI, you just have to assume that it's going to work. AI landing a plane, AI driving a car, AI calculating a route to a destination. You'll have to trust those things. And then you, the, the conclusion is, well, what if I don't want to trust it? What if I want to do it myself? Well, then you then you you have to, to understand how probability works to understand why the AI chose certain decisions based on probability. 